2: we
3: continue on game day edition of the Jason Gregor show on sports 1440 presented as always by our title sponsor and our exclusive gaming partner playalberta.ca where if you haven't tried it they have now the boost bets that you can try all sorts of unique little fun ones on uh, on the games of course uh, they have a uh, if you want to increase the odds, if you don't like the line, maybe you're like, oh, I think they're going to win by two. I think they're going to win by three. You can uh, click on the game and uh, do that as well. The uh, odd boosts are uh, are always good, right? Like uh, you can have one that has the Oilers, Vegas, and Canucks all winning tonight. So if you feel confident in all of them, that's one of them. So check it out at uh, Play. Or how about this one? A goal to be scored in the first ten minutes and the order score four goals in the game Ooh, plus 335 check it out playalberta.ca as uh we welcome to the show first round selection uh former NHLer, former uh hhl coach and gm skills coach as well now sean brown joins us brownie how you doing
4: very good very good great weekend little gray out there. I kind of feel like that might be a little bit of the mood of the Oiler fans right now. But I think it's all going to change tonight.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Well, hey, it is amazing how how well the Orders have played against Nashville for the last five years. And specifically Leon Dreisaitl. When you have 20 goals in 11 games and 30 points. And, like Some guys have 30 points in a season. And they're like, hey, that's a pretty good year. And uh, he has 30 <laughs> points in 11 games, right? So it's uh, it's kind of remarkable, really, uh, how much they've dominated recently over the Preds. And so I want to ask your thoughts. As a former player, when coaches and defense pairings are a little different, they seem to keep deep pairs together a little bit longer than forward lines. But I'm sure you saw your teammates and forward lines, like they get changed all the time. Some people think it's a sign of panic that the coach is going to start the game with dry, subtle, McDavid. Where do you come up?
4: Yeah, I mean this is something that happens throughout the season. I think that right now the Oilers are facing a tiny bit little a tiny little bit of adversity right now. Um but this is this is common. This is you know what, this is the time where the coaches are now coaching. They're earning their money. It's probably obviously came at a little sooner than than what anyone would like, but this is what's gonna separate uh the coaching staff from other coaching staffs right now. Um they're in one. Right. Training camp is over. The honeymoon is over. (laughs) Things got real, real fast. Yeah. Right. Um, And so, yeah, they're, you know, and when you're losing, things become magnified. Everyone, right. Everyone starts looking around and, you know, video starts, you know, you start looking at video and you start trying to figure out and, you know, what's going on and how you can make things better. So I think it's a great move by, uh, Woodcroft. I think it's something he has to do. And, and like I say, all, there's different times throughout the season. I think you got to put your coach's hat and go to work and muck it up a little bit. And right now is one of those times. It,
3: they've only lost two games. And, you know, in a, in a regular season, it is funny. You lose two games. People are like, meh, whatever. You lost two games. You lose two games to start the season. And probably in the fashion that, you know, you get pumped eight to one. Obviously, one, one of only 15 times in franchise history, you lose by seven or more goals. So that's obviously. Not ideal. The players themselves seem pretty relaxed. Now, the orders, you know what? Uh, Since Jay Woodcroft has come in, they have now, because they lost twice, they have the third most points in the NHL since he became their head coach. Like, there's not a reason to panic. But if you had to pinpoint two things that you would say, okay, these are the two areas we need to improve on tonight. What would those two areas be if you were the head coach?
4: Well, first is the compete, right? The consistency uh, and the compete is obviously something right now that the Oilers, you know, are, you know, it's not like they're playing bad. I mean, yeah, the first game, obviously, they didn't play very well at all. But the second game, when I watched it, I thought it could have went either way. I mean, the intensity was there. Yeah, Um, It was a lot, you know, it, does it need to get better at you know, was it consistent enough? I think we have so much high we have such high hopes of the Oilers this year and yeah. why not? They came off a great year last year, they've been building towards something. We can all see it, we can feel it. They got the two best players. Like, this is an exciting time to be an Oiler fan. Um, you know, but right now I think when you're playing well and they have a team that has so much skill and so much ability that when we watch them when things are rolling they're fun to watch it's exciting we see a lot of skilled plays you know mcdavid obviously you know does his thing but right now it's not going well the skilled game isn't quite there and you know what i would like to see is the compete and the ability to play i guess ugly in the trenches style hockey um you know, and and I think that's that's the best and easiest way to kind of get yourself out of a little bit of a situation right now. So the consistency, the compete, um, you know, I think are probably the two biggest things that need to kind of, you know, I would need to see from the Oilers right now. Um, I do like what I see from a lot of their, you know, obviously what I love about McDavid is that he's so skilled. The guy wants to win. So he's so highly motivated and I'm watching him do things out of character as far as, you know, getting a bit, you don't think of him as normally being an overly physical guy. That's not really his game. Mm -hmm. Right. But we've seen him go out there and lay some big hits and do some things that aren't necessarily what his game is all about. But what that shows me is that you know that's why he's the captain that's why he's the best player in the game right now right so you know other guys got to take some of that you know a little bit of that uh you know getting out of their comfort zone and showing some different sides of their game as well and that's the way you kind of get out of these little bit of a a little bit of a funk that they're in right now
3: well and it is funny it's a small funk uh they only have one goal five on five in two games so they'll want to improve their and then of course defensively, hey, you've given up twelve. Uh, I think it's a combination of, and they've given up a lot of goals off the rush, Brownie. That to me is is in transition. You know, you see the one where you know obviously the the most glaring area one from last week was, of course, Nurse pinches in as the fifth guy in the zone, and I know that hey, Fogel can't miss the net from there. I understand that, but even if he hits the net on that play, there's no guarantee that Vancouver doesn't control the rebound, flip it up, and they still have a two on zero. Regardless of where the shot's going, Nurse can't be the fifth guy in at that point, correct?
4: Yeah, that, that's obviously, that's a tough read, and I think he would own that, and I haven't listened to, to any of the immediate scrums if he's actually owned it, but, I mean, we can all see that. It's pretty obvious, right? I mean, Nurse is, Nurse is a big part of this team.
3: The funny thing was, the rest of the game, he was really good. It's that one split-second decision, and that, at times, is his calling card. And it overshadows all the good plays because when it is a mistake, it's so glaring that that's all people see. And so I try to be as an, as an analyst to – you know, a scout told me many years ago or a scout he goes, if you only watch what the player doesn't do or do what you don't like, you'll, you'll miss all the things he does well. And so I rewatched that game. I was like, man, Nurse had a really good game. Take away that one decision. All the other, you know, 25 minutes he's on the ice were really good. <laughs> but it was a pretty glaring error that cost yeah. him a goal – and when you lose a game by a goal, that, uh, that obviously hurts. So, like, and, and he's done that a lot. And I just wonder, how can they pull the reins back on him sometime to understand, you know what, less is more. And I know that's hard because I see the rest of the game and you're like, wow, he's playing very well there. But there just seems to be that when the, the error comes,
4: it's a real glaring one. And everyone's going to make mistakes, right? Yep. It's a game of mistakes. It's when you make the mistake, at what time of the game? It's the game is always situational, and those reads are very important. And I agree that Nurse is he's a huge part of the game. If you know, I I think there's a, a large group of fans that really enjoy his game, and there's a, a there's a small group that you know don't like his game. But I'll tell you one thing: if if you were, if Nurse wasn't here, you'd be looking for another Nurse. You know, it comes down to coaching and accountability right now, right? I mean, that's, I, I don't know Nurse, but I, I i imagine that him getting to this level, he's coachable, yep. right? And I'm sure there are conversations that they're going to have with him. Uh, if you look throughout the league, you know, you look at New Jersey, you know, I um, can't think of his name right now, the coach there, Lindy Ruff.
3: Lindy Ruff, who benched right? Timo Meyer last there he, I
4: was just there. He he benched one of his star guys, Right, uh, you look at Sheldon Keith in Toronto. Right at the end of the game, he called out some of his better players to be better. You know, this is a league where you know you're going to win and lose by your stars. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Woodcroft or anyone has to come out here, I'm, but I'm I'm pretty positive that part of coaching is having some uncomfortable conversations with your big players, yeah. and I'm sure right now. They've had some of those conversations. He's aware of it because um, you can't play that amount of minutes, right? He's going to have, you know, a gigantic impact on the game. And and I agree with you. That's that, you know, there's a mistake in his game right now that, you know, is costing them, you know. So, hey, I, we all love his up. You know, he has the ability to get up on the ice. You know, he has the ability to get up, but he also has the ability with his skating to get back. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it was a bad read. Um I would like I'm a big fan of his because there isn't a whole lot of guys in the league that can play physical, that can play hard and that have an edge. And I think he has that, Kane has that. I'm looking forward to tonight to see if Kane and Nurse can bring a little bit more of that physicality and that uncomfortableness, which, you know, makes other guys play bigger, gets other guys involved. Those guys have the ability to do that.
3: Sean Brown joins us on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live on Oilers Nation YouTube. Of course, the Oilers are in Nashville tonight to take on the uh, Predators. Jack Campbell will get the start. And, uh, McDavid, Drysidle and Kane will be aligned. Uh, Nugent, Hopkins, Hyman, and Fogel. You'll have uh, McLeod centering Holloway and Brown. And then it looks like uh, Ernie, Janmark, and uh, Derek Ryan. Uh, Nurse will be with CeCe, Bouchard, and Ekholm, uh, Kulak, and Broberg. It looks like, anyway, that uh, Vincent DeHarnay. Uh, likely will be the extra. Not a guarantee, though. So uh, they might bring him in. And if they do, I guess they either bring out a, a defenseman or they just go with 11 forward. So uh, we'll see ultimately what it is. But uh, Jack Campbell will be getting the start in goal tonight. For the Orders, uh, they're 0-2. The Preds are 1-2 and early on in the season. Uh, an emotional return for Matthias Ekholm, who was in uh, Nashville for a long time. You saw some videos of uh, lots of the staff members and Um, you know, uh, Nashville has a few people on their staff that, um, you know, special needs people that really, like, Joey Moss was in Edmonton and, and they become such a glue part of your organization. Like, I watched many years when a former Edmonton owner would come to town and, like, Dustin Penner was probably one of the more emotional ones I saw because him and Joey were really close. But I saw a lot of other guys and, like, you know, they'd come in the ring and, you know, Joey would be the guy that eventually come over and he'd say hi and, and it was a real big moment for a lot of the guys. You say, hey, it's Joe. Like you know, he, he he's still an oiler through and through, but he always remembers the guys who came through.
4: Joey's just incredible. Um, you know, I remember growing up, and there was the commercials with Gretzky and Joey, and I kind of forgot about it a little bit. Yeah, right. And then obviously coming to training camp, I you know I was introduced. I see him. And I'm like, holy, that's Joey Moss. <laughs> like that's the guy on the commercials. <laughs> like I actually called my brother and was like, man, like he's here still. You know, what a what an amazing and that
3: was, and dude, you say he's Hill Steer when you came yeah. in in the late nineties.
4: Well he was still here in like the mid <laughs> two thousand fifteen man. Yeah, He's had such a positive impact on so many people. Yeah. Obviously Edmonton itself. Um what a what a special guy. But you know what, you're especially times like this where, you know, the morale in the dress room, there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, when you have a guy like Joey, um I I don't even know if the if Nashville still has him but they had a guy bro okay uh I'm I'm not sure if he's still there but very similar um to to Joey he he took on a small role um but the same type of you know he, he was the same type of personality very upbeat and uh was known throughout the league but you know when you're when there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of outside noise it's so you know Joey didn't care Yeah. Right. He just always had a smile on his face. And, you know, to have him around and have these types of guys around, you know, in a pressure situation just lightens the mood.
3: Well, I I think like Joey cared about winning, but he didn't care, you know, like the next day about a loss. Right. At that point, he was just like, hey, man, you're great. Everything. Hey, you're looking good and all that stuff. But I still remember uh, Sean Horkoff telling me how Joey Moss, when it was uh, when they went on the plane to go to Carolina for game seven. And, there, and Joey Moss, like, grabbed him and was just like, you got to win. <laughs> and he was so passionate about it, right? And yeah. was just like, oh, my God. Like, you don't want to let this guy down. But, like, yeah. you could just see right there. Like, that yeah. was so many years of just like, you have to win. And he would never say that before. He usually, was just like, hey, guys, great game. Here we go, right? He's cheering you on. He's yeah. singing the anthem. He's belting it out, and everything goes from there. But yeah. he uh, – he was probably the biggest Oiler fan and maybe the most passionate Oiler fan. And that's why I think he resonated with all of the Oiler fans, because they saw a little bit of themselves in Joey's fandom
4: for the team. I guarantee you right now, Sparky, who used to take care of Joey uh, when I was there would have him singing La Bamba or something like that, right? This would be a perfect time for Joey to, you know, we'd, oh, yeah. we'd come off the ice from a practice, we'd be all in there getting undressed, and then all of a sudden La Bamba would come on, and Joey would come in there, and he'd be singing, dancing, right? Just getting, you know, everyone laughing and having a good time. Like, that was... You know, the, what a unique guy. But he was he just had the ability in the dress room just to bring a smile to everyone's face, lighten things up and put things in perspective. But, yeah, there, you know, there was no one that cared more about the Oilers than Joey. Did you ever have a wrestling match with Joe? No, I never <laughs> Did I have a wrestling match with Joe. I never had. No, I, I know he was in the wrestling. but yeah. I was about to throw down with Joey. Well,
3: You guys never had the rest. So when you were you never saw a Joey Moss wrestling match in yeah. the room?
4: No, I know, no, I know he was in. It. I missed. I, I think it was Ryan Smith that I actually didn't he not get the ring and oh, had dude. Some well, characters. for his
3: for his birthday, yeah. yeah. But he used to like he had like epic wrestling matches with different guys over the years. <laughs> Right. Cause, cause they got him the belt. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember Raffy Torres, and, uh, you know, so usually it was the young guys, yeah. right? So Raffy Torres, so Jared Stoll, the first time they wrestled, and I remember Jared Stoll tell me, like, and, and like in every wrestling, like, uh, Sparky would tell you beforehand, okay, yeah. you know what? Either you're taking him down or you let Enjoy keep the belt. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. so that's how it was. And, like, there was a time where they had, uh, like, Connor, you, you'll know it better. Um, it's like, uh, tag anywhere match that can happen anywhere, right? Remember how we did have those all the time in WWE? Like a
4: Falls Count Anywhere match or hardcore match? Yeah, Yeah. Falls
3: Count Anywhere match. (laughs) And so they had an ongoing one where, and one day, Penner surprised Joe and tagged him one, two, three, and he lost the belt, and while he was just livid. But uh, Stoll told me the first time he wrestled him, he could not believe how strong he was. And, And like... Like, you know, oh yeah, you're playing around. And yeah. then Joe comes in. But Joe would love it. Like, they yeah. would turn the lights down and they would have entrance. And Joe loved being the heel. Like, yeah. he lived for it, right? Yeah. He'd come in and they'd, yeah, you suck, Moss. And he'd be like, oh yeah. And he'd flip. And like, he got right into it. It was, I can't believe you never wrestled. I can't believe you never saw one No, of those. I,
4: I wish I'd seen that. But I, I know how passionate he was yeah. about it. But, you know, I could imagine him be. I mean, Joe was a stocky. Oh, yeah. He had a little bit of weight behind him, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I, he probably was freakishly strong. But no, I. I never did get into a wrestling match. I I know when I was there, a lot of guys, I thought it was actually quite nice. A lot of guys would bring them home. Yeah. Right? And, you know... Have a sleepover. Yeah, have a sleepover, watch movies, and and do different things with them. I thought, you know, it's just... Joe brought so much joy to so many guys' lives, and it was just nice to see, like, Joey was just a part of us and and was such a big part uh, of this organization. But, yeah, he was... You know, there there's so many. I mean, there was no What's one. What's
3: your that, favorite Joey story?
4: I used to always like playing with him, coming off because he part of his job was to get the socks and towels. Yeah. And I hated coming off and just getting my – he always wanted to collect everything and get it right in the laundry. It really quick f- really is fast. Good. And I wanted to come off and just sit. I'm one of those guys that just sits in my equipment and just chats and, and likes to hang out. So Mosser was always on me <laughs> to try and get my socks. And so I would take my socks off. And he'd always be just kind of watching me, and I'd kind of put him to one side, <laughs> and then he'd go on the other side. I'd put him on the other <laughs> side. We'd just kind of play this little game back and forth. But yeah, he was uh, he, he knew his job, and oh. no one did his job Yes, better than him. Yeah, but, no, know, he what, took it
3: very serious, yeah. too.
4: But whether, whether he was singing La Bamba... Or he would walk the plank. He would hop in the cold tub, you know. Like he was always up for something, you know. And it was always, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. Walk the plank. It's so funny. Uh,
3: when we come back, Dave McCarthy from uh, SiriusXM will join us on the Jason Greger Show and Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 3:25. It is uh, game day on Sports 1440 as the Oilers are in Nashville to take on the Nashville Predators. Tonight, Jack Campbell will get the start. Leon Dreisaitl tries to continue his uh, hot streak. He has 20 goals, 30 points in his last 11 games versus the Preds. The Oilers are 9-0-2 in that time, which is tied for like the sixth longest uh, consecutive point streak active in the NHL. Now, they're a long ways away. The Montreal Canadiens went 34 consecutive games against the Washington uh, Capitals in the 70s, where they got at least a point. Now, remember, those Caps, one year they won eight games. One year the Canadians lost eight games. And uh, back then, in the 70s, so you're playing each other six times a year for sure, but still, that's a lot of consecutive games to get a point. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but uh, the Orders would like to get to 12 tonight and get their first win of the season as we go around the NHL, brought to you by McDonald's. It's back, baby. Monopoly. And uh, with more chances for you to win. First, you can peel, then you can go on the app and peel again. Find out all the rules at mcdpromotion.ca. mcdpromotion.ca. Uh, improving your chances to win at Monopoly. As we are joined by our regular Tuesday guest from uh, Sirius XM, host Dave. McCarthy joins us. And uh, Dave, tonight, I guess, will be officially the end of the first week. Oh, no, I guess last night because it started Tuesday. So we've had one official week of the NHL season. Um, you know, Usually in one week, uh, we can make a lot of incorrect statements based on a few games. But you, you look at a few things. And from the outside, give me your thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers from uh, that many miles away and what you make of their start
0: yeah well, I'll tell you I certainly didn't expect them to lose eight <laughs> one in their first game. that was not on my bingo card um and, and look, I thought on Saturday night against Vancouver they probably deserved a better fate uh, they were they were spending a great deal of time in Vancouver's end but Casey de Smith went. Full Igor Shosturk and Andrei Vasilevsky take your your pick of of top tier goalies, but he was really good in that game and 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 probably stole one I think for Edmonton. So um, improvement certainly on on Saturday in game two, but my my overarching concern with Edmonton is is on the back end. Like they're going to be able to score goals, I think. But that blue line and the goaltending concerns me very much. Just because I don't see it as a group that is going to be able to take Edmonton on a long run in the Cup final, uh, to the Cup final. Like I, I, Missing Matthias Ekholm in in game one did not help. And like you and I have talked, Gregor, about Ekholm since he's come to Edmonton, but but he's made a real, real big impact on the Oilers. One his own play, which I think is, is far and away the best defensive defenseman that the Oilers have. Um, he's made, uh, not that Evan Bouchard wasn't a player before, but he's really helped to settle his game down and get more out of Evan Bouchard. He's also t- helped to take some minutes off Darnell Nurse, who, when I think he gets overplayed, he, he doesn't look very good. Um, so, you know, beyond, beyond Ekholm and, and Nurse, um, and then Bouchard, uh, are they going to have enough on the back end to to really take them where they want to go? It's a concern to me. And, and the fact that you always go into a game with whoever it is who's between the pipes, kind of with your heart in your throat, thinking, like, are going to be able to get a stop tonight, fellas, or is it just going to be one of those nights where we're going to have to put up a six spot? You know, sometimes the goaltending is fine, but but I never feel like... If you're the Oilers, you go in knowing that it's going to be fine. And I think that mindset and Sean, you can speak to that. If, if that factors into a locker room, when you go into a game, like no one's going to, to say that out loud because you don't want to throw your goalies under the bus. But let's be honest, you got to be thinking it, um, in a way that you aren't. If you are a member of the New York Rangers, when you look and you see Igor Shashurkin back there or, or the honors, you see Ilya Sorokin back there. So that to me, remains a concern as well about Edmonton. Yeah, I think you
4: know, you know what <clears throat> you know right now I wouldn't say anyone's playing at the top of their game right now. I think that you know nobody it's it's early enough right now that I don't think anyone's lost any uh, confidence in anyone right now. They're they're in all this together right now. Um I think Jack Campbell, you know, I look for him to have a good rebound, a good a very good start. Uh, today but I think you know what for for Campbell to be good I think they got to have a core defensemen and and forwards that are going to be committed to coming back and playing hard defensive hockey I think they've given up a few goals a few soft goals where they've kind of lost body position on on uh, the player and ultimately when the puck goes in the goalie looks the worst um, but I think if they all tighten it up as a group of five and a team and play stronger and a little stingier Uh, And are willing to 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 compete and get a little bit gritty. I think it's only now everyone starts to look good.
3: Yeah, I I think that's probably fair. And um, when Dave, when I look at uh, you know a few teams around uh, the league, uh, Tampa Bay, a lot of people are concerned about Vasilevsky, but now you throw Steven Stamkos onto the uh, injury pile. Uh, He'll miss his second game tonight for the uh, for the Lightning. To me I look at the Lightning and if they can just be 500 I think they're fine when Vasilevsky comes back. They don't have to be in first or even second place in that mm-hmm. division. I think they can be 500 and they'll be fine. Where do you come out on Tampa's kind of their first two months?
0: Yeah, yeah, no I'm with you. Like just sort of get through it and and make sure that the bottom hasn't fallen out. And and 500's probably uh probably a pretty good target to have in mind. Like, you know, let's let's say he comes back around Christmas time you know how many games is that by then probably like 25 30 games like if they can be you know like 16 13 and 1 yeah they'll they'll probably be in good shape um in that division but I'll tell you if if Steven Stamkos misses any length of time and you know John Cooper continues to say that he's day-to-day he's not going to play play tonight but doesn't seem like it's going to be a long long long-term thing but you know, that's just one guy. So let's say Stamkos misses a handful of more games, he gets back in. But what if a guy like Point or a guy like Kucherov goes out for a, a period of time? And and Kucherov is certainly a guy who has a tendency of, of being unavailable um, from time to time. Um, you take a guy of that nature out of that lineup, like a Stamkos, like a Point, like a Kucherov, Man, that that lineup doesn't look nearly as as daunting as it used to down in Tampa Bay. Like I say, you see Michael Asimov up on the second line. I mean that, and then and then don't even look beyond that. I mean that is that is a lineup that I think a lot, like just about everything needs to go right for them, especially in the absence of Vasilevsky. Um, in order to have a shot, I don't think they've got the kind of leeway that they did um, two or three years ago, where they can afford underperformance from Nikita Kucherov or Braden Point, or or they can handle um, a, an injury of significance to a to a player of significance for a long long time. I, I don't think they have that leeway this time around. So, like, they're going to need their best players to really drive the ship, to me, in Tampa Bay this year, and they're going to have to try to make sure that that too many good players don't miss too much time because, uh, to me, that lineup, if 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 a guy of consequence gets hurt for a long period of time and then another guy goes through an injury situation where you, you miss uh, even four or five games, like, I just don't know if they've got the depth to to withstand um the that 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 type of absence or underperformance from from a from a good player so so that's how i look at tampa to me like just about everything that needs to go right has to go right in order for them to to keep in the mix
4: so Dave, watching, you know, looking at the stats, it's in the standings and, and kind of watching this early start to the season and some of the teams that are kind of struggling. You know, here in Edmonton, there's obviously a little bit of a buzz, uh, you know, where, we're where we're at right now. But if you look and you see, you know, New Jersey struggling a little bit, I don't think they're uh, where they want to be. Carolina, Buffalo, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. without a win. Um, you know, we feel like, like I said, there's a little bit of desperation here. Um, <clears throat> when you look at the Toronto make Leafs and you look at Matthews, he's got a couple, you know, he had a couple hat tricks. He's off to a great start. And, you, you know, I, I obviously like a little, you know, the tough guys. And, and when you look at Reeves, how do you measure someone like Reeves and what he means to Toronto? Um, what are your thoughts on him and, and what he brings on the ice and off the ice?
0: Well, of of all of the new guys that came in in the off season in Toronto, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, Ryan Reeves. We'll just stick to the forwards up front. Um, I think Reeves, without Hey, question. whoa,
3: whoa, whoa!
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. Jeez! Sorry. Holy cow! <laughs> guy's got a goal and yeah. fight for
3: Christ's
2: sakes in three yeah, games. Come on. What else you got to do?
0: I was thinking back to July. I wasn't used <laughs> to contracts that were signed last week, but yeah, Noah's been good. Noah has been very, very good. In fact, it, it speaks to my broader point here. And I'm not just saying this because you lost, you lost your mind there. Understandably so. Dash one <laughs> on me. Um, but, but my point being is that line of, of David Kampf, Ryan Reeves, and some other guy named Gregor. Uh, they have really, really, um, found chemistry early on and played the role that the Leafs are looking for them to play. Um, you know, and, and, and Sean, you asked me specifically about Ryan. Like Sheldon Keefe said, look, the guy has been an, the utmost professional since day one. He understands what he is, the role that he needs to play. Um, and it's not just the fighting and the physicality, but he's been reliable too, right? Like you've been able to put him on the ice, that entire unit, and they haven't been caught running around. Uh, Reeves has played real well defensively. He knows where he needs to get. Um, he said, uh, Sheldon Keith said that that he's rarely gotten it wrong from a defensive standpoint um, and then the fact that he's 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 mixed in a couple of big hits especially early in games that have swung the momentum in toronto's favor that's exactly what you want ryan reeves to play and then by and large that whole line which over the the past three or four years the fourth line has constantly been in flux in toronto either with guys who just are not not nationally players or there's a rotating cast of guys that they're trying to, 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 to audition in a role and see if somebody fits. Or Nick Robertson, who's playing in a role that he shouldn't be playing in. Like he's not a fourth line guy and he's playing up the lineup. Um, they finally got a fourth line of guys that understand their roles. Um, know their roles and embrace their roles as well. Cause there's some guys who, who, who understand their roles, but they don't want to play that role. Um, David Camp, Ryan Reeves, Noah, Noah Gregor, they, they all seem to, to understand the role that it is that they're being asked to play and they're willing to embrace that role. And that's been one of Toronto's better lines through the first three games, which is to say that. Um, outside of that, the team's got some work to do. They won the first two games, but that was largely because Austin Matthews went legend. Um, they got a break in the Montreal game where Jordan, Bean, the video coach, made a great call on the offside challenge, which prevented it from turning into 3 nothing Canadians and they were able to fight back and Jake Allen I don't think was was all that good in that game and then same thing against Minnesota like it was back and forth and they just simply outscored their mistakes but the template that Toronto has used uh through the first three games um that's not going to nearly be good enough uh, moving forward in terms of of how you want to play to have um um success that that um is sustainable They're basically going in being like, okay, let's just outscore our mistakes. That's not going to work.
4: So you got guys, like how valuable are these guys? Like you got Corey Perry in Chicago who's, you know, he's getting into it with Reeves. He's chirping on the bench. Like, you know, you got an old school guy like Patty Maroon. Like, you know, I feel like the Oilers are tougher. You know, is it too much of an ask or how much, you know, do we expect this from, say, an Evander Kane, uh, a Darnell Nurse?
0: Yeah, I, like I Vander Cade is is at his best to me when he's right on that line. Kind of like a Nas and Kadri type guy. When he's right on that line, sometimes maybe a half step over, he's agitating, he's running around a little bit. He's he's getting the other team all worried about him. Um, and, and suddenly the opponent gets away from their game plan, which should be worrying about 97 and 29. That's when the Oilers can really take advantage. So yeah, he needs to play that, that role. Absolutely. Because if he just wants to be a guy that runs up and down the ice and, and tries to score off the rush, he's not going to nearly be as effective. And I'm not saying that's what he's done through the first two games, but at, at his best, that that is Evander Kane to me. Um, you, you look at a guy like Corey Perry, there's another guy like, man, does this guy ever understand his role, understand what he is um, at this point in his NHL career? And he's willing to to play it. He once again, like took over the game on Monday against Toronto. Um, the way he played, uh, scored a timely goal. I mean, that, that breakaway looked like a guy that scored 50 in the league in, in the past. Just a great shot. Um, you know, he finds a way to agitate. He's, he's always right on that line. Great guy, him, Nick Felino as well to have in that room in Chicago with all the young players that they had. Um, you know, Alex Velasque was talking yesterday about, um, after, after they lost Chicago on Saturday against Montreal, Nick Felino st- stood up and said, like, fellas, we've got two more road games here. Um, we're one and two uh we want to go over five hundred on this road trip, which means win our next two games. And and uh we can do that. And they they came out with with really a tremendous effort. Sixty minutes. Like they really did a good job of keeping Toronto by and large under control. Um so they got that done and now they go into their next game with a chance to go over five hundred. So that's why it's so important um to have guys like Nick Felino, like Corey Perry, um like Patty Murray, like Ryan Reeves, guys that are a little bit older um, but understand their roles and can speak up when the time is right, um, especially on younger teams. I, I'm i of the mind that there is still a ton of room for guys like that um, in the game today.
3: Davey, great stuff as always, man. Obviously, it's nice to have a little uh, lighthearted fun, so uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we will chat with you uh, next Tuesday. We'll see what uh, comes in week number two in the National Hockey League, because by next week, if there's a few teams that are like being zero and two is one thing. If all of a sudden you're zero four and one, yeah, well, that's a little bit different, right? And then, uh, and then there'll be a, a little bit of angst potentially in some markets. So we'll, we'll see who's there next Tuesday.
0: Yeah, especially in a, ma- a market like Buffalo, for instance. <laughs> you know, Carolina can probably withstand that. New Jersey <laughs> can withstand that. Buffalo goes zero four and one. <laughs> oh, baby.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I love it. Thanks, Davey. Have a good one, my man. See you, fellas. That's, uh, Dave McCarthy from, uh, Sirius. XM around the NHL brought to you by McDonald's. Monopoly is back. Get in and play today. Uh, we'll return. We got uh, lots of texts to get to. We'll get more on the uh, Oilers. We'll hear from uh, Woodcroft as they are in Nashville to take on the Predators tonight. And of course, uh, you will have uh, Jack Campbell get in the start. Willie Donich, uh Jason Strudel will join us uh, next hour. We'll return to the Jason Greger show on Sports 1440 live on Oilers Nation YouTube, presented by our title sponsor, playalberta.ca. 347, Jason Greger, Sean Brown. With you on Sports 1440 Live on Orders Nation uh, YouTube. Happy Tuesday. You know what Tuesday is today? Oof. You're thinking about well, hey, You know, it's the first road game of the year on, a, on a, well, should, at, at dinner time. I'll say that. Because, you know, 8 o'clock start, you have dinner early. But 6 o'clock start, you're like, man, I'm driving home. I got to get there. Well, remember, Papa John's. Use the code word uh, terrific40 and you'll get uh, 40% off. Not bad. Not bad at all. And, oh, by the way, try it. With the ranch dressing. A few of you have done it. It's a game changer. Game changer. So we have uh, lots of, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Now, it's only two games. Goes, guys, I'm not panicking, so I'm just throwing this out there as a what-if scenario. What do you think it would take for any major change to happen for the orders? And that one comes in from Doug. So now I'm guessing a major change, Doug, would be like a significant player trade. Coach gone, GM gone. Is there anything else that would be considered major in your eyes, Brownie? Like, those are the three, right? That's it Okay. So, well, the GM, uh, Ken Holland's in the final year of his deal. I'm not bringing in a new GM before the trade deadline. That wouldn't make any sense to me. So, I think Ken Holland has uh, built up this team. I think Ken Holland's going to have one kind of final swing. And I believe that, you know, Jeff Jackson and them are going to be on the same page. They realize where the orders are in in their... They're in win-now mode. So, if they can make a... A good trade and they're gonna trade another first round pick, I think they're gonna do it. I don't I don't care who the GM is, I think they're gonna do it. But at this point today, I would be a little surprised if if Ken Holland's in the GM chair next year. I think he's ready for uh for a change. I think he might stick on as an advisor who isn't around on a day to day basis but has some experience and they'll bring another GM. I I I don't think Jeff Jackson will will want to be the GM and the uh, the the president of OG. Just there's not enough time, I think, to do both jobs correctly. So if a GM change happens, that'd be in the off season. Now a coaching change isn't happening during the regular. Like I shouldn't say it isn't, but I'd be very surprised because a, the, the orders would have to be really bad for something like that. Because keep in mind, when this season began, since Jay Woodcroft's been hired, they now have the third most wins. They were tied with Colorado when the season began. Colorado's had a few more, so now they're ahead of them. There's only Boston, Colorado, who have won more than the orders. Like, are you going to fire your coach because you get off to a bad five-game start? I don't think so. So the only way I could see a coaching change would be if they lose in round one, then you have a new GM, and they look at the, at the summertime. That, that's the only time I think it's even a conversation. But a player trade, that to me is the most likely, Brownie. Like, a, a significant player trade. Like, they made one last year. Tyson Berry was very well-liked in the room. You know, he's a good contributor to the team. Different style of player than what Matthias Ekholm brings. Right? They, they have enough offense. They wanted somebody who's better defensively, and that's what they got in Ekholm. So, I could see a significant trade being made. Um, that, to me, is the most likely one, and I think that's what's going to happen at the deadline. I just don't know who it's going to be.
4: I'd say they're... Yeah, I, I... I think there could be that possibility. I mean, they are that close, but I don't think anything's off the table. I think that, you know, as a GM, you're constantly got to have your finger on the pulse. I think that Woodcroft has done, like you said, he's done a great job for a couple of years now. I don't see him going anywhere, but I don't see Ken Holland with his experience sitting on his hands either. You're not this close and just going to let it fall apart. And I'm not blaming any of this on Woodcroft, but sometimes the easiest you know, you're not going to get rid of a whole bunch of players. Trades are, are hard to make, period. Right. Um, but I, I would think that if, you know, things start going sideways, um, you know, and I've been a part of teams where, you know, you're in the dress room and it's it's not a good feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, the morale's down. Uh, and then there's times where you're sitting there and you're like, hey, something's going to happen. And then you're waiting for something. that You get to the point where you're waiting for it. It's got to happen. Someone's got to be called up. Someone's got to be sent down. A trade. Something has to happen to shake up the room. They're not there yet. Now, yeah, like
3: like, because remember they were they were ten and ten in the twenty games last year. So to me, for anything to happen in that regard, like they probably have to be like seven and thirteen, right? Six and fourteen. If they're nine and eleven, I don't see any significant change. Do you?
4: I don't think so. No. But you look at the league and you just you look how close it is. Like who would have thought Chicago? I mean, I've been watching Chicago just because of obviously the Connor Bedard and the the following and the hype and yeah. you know, he's he's on TV, but like who would have thought that Chicago would be where they're at right now? Like there's no easy game to play no. right now or or throughout the whole season. Like you can put all the predictions and and have the the lineup and the players and but it comes down to playing the actual game. And when the puck drops, all that is it. Those guys don't. Connor Bedard and nobody cares what anyone thinks or what anyone has done. Yeah. Right? Guys are hungry. Um, you know, guys are fighting for different reasons throughout the league. Uh, so, I mean, I love this. I, I love the season and the fact that every game, there's no free lunches. <laughs> and, um, you know, where it's this is. It remind you know, as I watch the Oilers go through this and I think back, you know, to my playing days and the mental grind, right? I just, you know, you go from like, it wasn't that long ago where they were in training camp and, you know, everyone's excited and we got all this hype and why not? But, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, two games into it, now you're certain, you know, everyone's, no one's panicking, but, you know. We're all starting to look around and and mistakes are being magnified. And, you know, I've been in the dressing room, you know, when when things aren't going well and, you know, as a player, you can even start to read into it. You're kind of like, you know, Mac T didn't look at me today. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there before. I'm like, he didn't say hi, you know, or, you know, why, why am I in this situation? You know, so. It's amazing now you know the mental side of the game and the pressure yeah right that you know these guys want to win this is a winning business it's what you're doing right now so I, I would say you know nothing is nothing is off the table. I don't think you know' we're, we're definitely not at that point I don't know what the number I don't know what the stat is but I I know that Ken that's his job right mm-hmm. is to take the temperature and the feel. Uh, and I don't, I think he's an experience enough. He's obviously been around the, the game long enough that if he senses or sees something, he's not going to sit around.
3: No, I, he's also has a, a long leash of being uh, um, very patient. Hey guys, uh, Petrie at uh, 50%. He was a healthy scratch. Just wanted your thoughts. Okay. Well, here's my question. Why do you want him at 50% if he's a healthy scratch on Detroit? I do. You, do you think he helps at this stage of his career? The Jeff Peach you're getting today isn't the Jeff Peacher that you saw 10 years ago. Heck, he's not the Jeff Peacher you saw in 2021 when they went to the Stanley Cup final. So, no. Um, hey guys, uh, do you think the orders would go after Everly at the, uh, the deadline? I don't believe the orders deadline acquisition is going to be a top six forward. Now, and I state that based on the fact that I think their top six forward is probably the strength of their team. So, sure, you could augment it if need be, but I'm guessing between now and then the fourth line right shot center is going to be something they're looking at, and then they're going to gauge everything. Where's their goaltending at? Where's their right defense at? I think those are going to be the first two positions, or first three positions, and then, you know what, you look at other other elements and and what you want to bring in. But... I wouldn't have Eberly right now at the top of my list of what the orders will need. Like where does he fit in on your on your lineup right now? Like do you Now I know you say hey well for Warren Fogle's on a second line left uh, right winger. Valid point. Valid point. So but Eberly's cap hit even if they retain half and first of all Seattle if they're in the hunt then obviously there's not even a trade that can happen. But I don't have them as a playoff team so maybe they would. He's in the final year of his deal. I'd have to see at the deadline... To me, they would have to have a pretty gaping hole on the right wing for that to be the one move I'd make because you only have so much cap space to make a move. So that's kind of how I would see it.
4: Yeah, I, you know what? This, the cap space is obviously the biggest struggle for, for all the teams out there. I, I really... I mean, what they have in the room right now, let's not panic. They, What they have in the room is good enough. I think if you know their skill and ability doesn't dry up over the summer... Um, there's a reason why they're picked, and there's a reason why they had success last year. I think the, all the ingredients are there for them, obviously, to get this back on track. This is normally something that happens probably, you know, six, seven games into the season. It just so happens that it started, you know, in the first two games, and and we've touched on it before. The way you lose, the way they lost the first game. Now all of a sudden, you know, we're having these conversations, but you know, I'm t- I, I, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say, like, you know, they're top guys. This is, there couldn't be a better team and a better time for a team to get on the road to get this back on track, right? You got, you know, you got uh, Dry going into Nashville where he's had a ton of success. You got, you know, the two best players playing together. Um, you know, so those guys are the leaders. They're going to come out today. They're going to, you know, put up some points. They're going to play the way they need to play. But I see the supporting cast. I see Kane. I see, you know, Bouchard, uh, you know, uh, Ekholm is now back. You know, he's going to be excited to play, you know, back in in Nashville in front of his fans and friends and family. So there's a lot of positives, and it only takes one game, really. It takes one game to just, you know, to get that ship in the right way. Yeah, totally. And and they have that ability. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about something totally different next week. And if you look at, I mean, winning hides and masks a lot of things. (laughs) Like, you know, you look at Toronto, I'm sure that, you know, Matthews obviously with the start that he had, there's other players that weren't playing well, but this is what losing does.
3: Well, hey, there's they had the second-worst 5-on-5 five five save percentage after the orders the first two games, but they had six goals for McDavid. So they're like, I mean, sorry, for Matthew. Yeah. So it's like, hey, it, it, when you win, it can mask things, and it's okay. Exactly. So. Uh, you know, the Edmonton owners, I don't think, have played as poorly as their 0-2 record. But guess what? That's who they are. And so you got to figure out a way to get a victory tonight in Nashville. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll go to Nashville next, get their side of things. And we got Strutty joining us, five questions and more after Connor Halley. And a sports 1440 update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Now, remember, once the weather hits seven degrees for seven days in a row, that's a good time to change your tire. It's not about the snow on the ground. It's about the temperature. That's what impacts your tires more